Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, the annoying voice of podcasting, and you're listening to the non-annoying Three Guys in a Flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Am I the meanest? Show Show enough. enough. Am I the prettiest? Show Show enough. Am I the baddest mow-down lofo around this town? Show Show enough. enough. Who am I? Show Show enough. enough. Who am I? Show Show enough. I can't hear you. Show Show enough. The Shogun of Harlem. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Beware spoilers. Coming to you from the Seventh Heaven Studios, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Hey. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Good evening, everybody. (laughs) How are you guys doing tonight? I am glowing. Oh, yes, you are glowing. I can see that. I'm just happy to be here. I love it. I love when the professor's happy to be here. Uh, tonight, we are talking about Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. This comes to us from, well, it comes to us from the comic book guy. So I will go ahead and ask you, good sir, why The Last Dragon? Well, when I first saw this movie, I was 13 years old. And I'm not ashamed to say that I saw it three more times in the theater in the next few weeks after that. It instantly became a classic movie to me. And I think it was partly because before that, I was big into sci-fi movies. I was big into you know action movies. I'd never really gotten into martial arts films. And there was something about this movie, the way they combined you know, hip hop, martial arts and 80s music and all of that together into one movie that I just fell in love with this movie. So it, like I said, it's become almost one of those movies that it's just fun to revisit every so often. You know, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I saw it when I was in the eighth grade. So it was probably 85. I was at a slumber party. We rented The Last Dragon and Commando, I think. And both films got watched multiple times at said birthday party. Which one do you think is better? Oh, that's a good question, Professor. Fuck you. I'm going to kick you in the fucking balls if you don't say the right answer. Why? Why? why, uh, What is the right answer? You think it's Commando? You think Commando is a better film than The Last Dragon? How can it not be? Well, he does make a compelling point because Commando at least has boobs. Yeah, Commando is a great action movie but when it comes to creating an an iconic villain that you just can't get out of your head and the music and the themes i don't know i i feel like the last dragon is is a bigger cult classic hit than commando well i think you would be in the minority which one has the bigger following of fans i think that are to this day still are in love with the movie commando commando i don't know oh hands down commando has a lot of great one-liners i think personally that it's easily commando just because it's schwarzenegger and that alone should say it you know what i mean nobody there is nobody outside of show enough and i'm gonna agree with you he's a great villain but outside of him there is nobody worth remembering in this film that's what i was about to say is can you think of a more iconic villain from the 80s 
that was just so mem- so memorable as um, show enough. Gordon Gecko, uh, Mr. Joshua. Oh yeah, the Predator. Yeah, I'm just thinking, mm. just the way that it was acted. No, I I, I love I, the I show under- of Harlem. I, oh, and and I'm not trying to pissing your Wheaties on purpose. I'm just saying that I too really enjoyed show enough, but you said, is there any others? And yeah, there's plenty, but I agree with you. He is memorable. Had you ever seen this? My first time watching it was the other night. Oh, both Don and I saw it when we were young, when we were kids, this kind of goes back to another movie that we talked about previously of, we have that sentimentality of this film from back then it kind of rekindles some of those feelings back when i was 13 year old you know watching it again today it's a campy movie it's got some parts that are you know it's not the greatest movie ever made so that's why i'm going to be interested when we get to the review times of hearing your review of someone who's seeing it for the first time today released on march 22nd 1985 barry gordy's the last dragon was directed by michael schultz screenplay by louis venasta and it stars Timac, Julius Carey, Vanity, Christopher Mirny, Leo O'Brien, Faith Prince, and a bunch of other actors. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $10 million, but it brought in 33 so not a bomb. Well, you know what's funny? Even bringing in $33 million, they still called it a bomb at the theaters. I don't think really? they did. Yeah, when I, everything I've read, they said that it was a... You know, that they figured that it bombed the theaters. They canceled any ideas of doing a really? sequel. Yeah. It stayed in the top 10 for six weeks. That's what I thought. And it was also a movie that... It got bad reviews, but that doesn't mean it bombed. Yeah, I'm just saying that they considered it a bomb. The producers and everything. Uh, well, it interesting. Was, it was in the top 50 grossing movies. It, it The $33 million, it also tied uh, The Killing Fields, uh, Teen Wolf... In Silverado. I guess a better word would be they called it a disappointment. Well, that's so that's they, way different than yeah, a bomb. I'm guessing they expected it to do a lot better. Yeah. No, it, financially, it was... It was successful. Yeah. Well, it was profitable. It was profitable. Yeah. Um, do you know but, what? But word of mouth, and I think that at the time, it was aimed at a very targeted audience. And, you know, for it to do $33 million off of $10 million is good, uh, but... The reviews were not nice. You know, so it's amazing why, that it did 33. Do you know why Barry Gordy had this movie made? Um, to showcase. It had to be showcases music. It was really specifically supposed to be a vehicle to launch Vanity's career. That was first and foremost. The second part was, yes, to play all of Motown's music. Yeah, but Vanity wasn't part of Motown at the time. That's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it basically they said that this movie was created specifically to focus on her. Oh, well, they did. I mean, she was the only choice to play Laura Charles. You know what I mean? So I, I thought that this movie, you know, it was in that rhythm and blues. You know, you have your your rapping, your breaking, uh, Beat Street, right? It, oh, and the other one, which also coincidentally was directed by. Michael Schultz, same year, Crush Groove. Have you ever seen Crush Groove? Once. Fucking, uh, I saw it not too long ago. It's the story of Russell Simmons and Def Jam, Mm -hmm. even though they don't call it that. 
It was better than I remembered. Not great, mind you. Right, I think. Right, right. I think out of all of the break-in Beach Streets, um, this and Crush Groove, I think my favorite one out of all of them is Beach Street. Mm-hmm. Beach Street was Beach Street to this day. I think is a really, really good film. So, anyways, what do you think of the cast of this film? Uh, not a huge fan. Um, watching it now, back then in '85 when I watched it, it was all about vanity. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Vanity was absolutely beautiful. And um, she was probably the reason why me and all the guys at the slumber party watched this like three times. Yeah. That, it was all about her. Yeah. And, you know, the supporting cast and Timac <laughs> going back and watching it again. I'm sorry. That guy cannot act. I'm sorry. Even if they were trying to make him a Zen master or trying to direct him in a way uh, to come across as uh, non-confrontational and uh, peaceful, not violent, um, he still did a horrible job at it. From what I heard, he was one of the last people to be cast in this movie. Uh, And originally, they just wanted him, I think, to do the martial arts and teach the martial arts uh, to coordinate a little bit. But they couldn't find someone to really fit that role. So they put him in this and then got him acting lessons pretty much while they were filming this movie. Just the opposite, Julius Carey, he was obviously already an established actor, but had no martial arts skills. So they had to teach him martial arts while they were filming this movie. Because he didn't know any martial arts, he used his presence and his acting to be menacing, to mm-hmm. cover up the fact that he doesn't, which I think is brilliant because, like you said, he gets such a easily the most memorable part of this film. So I guess a young Larry Fishburne, a young Denzel, and a young Wesley Snipes all auditioned for Bruce Leroy. Mm-hmm. that crazy? Could you imagine what this film would have been with a Wesley Snipes? Or a young Denzel. I mean, this is 1984. You got to figure when they're casting and and, uh, doing the production. Uh, These names are not the names that we know now, right? But just think, Denzel. Ty Mac got it probably because he could do the Kung Fu or the martial arts, Mm -hmm. you know. And when he does it, he doesn't look bad. He totally tanked his, his his first interview. And it wasn't until that he was done and down and out about it. And his buddies, they, they hardcore pressed him. Come on, you can do this. You can do this. And, and he trained for a couple of months, I guess, about delivering the dialogue. And so he went back to the casting and they still hadn't cast it. And he says, please, 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 please give me a chance. And so he's shown enough that they went ahead and they, uh, they ended up going with him. Yeah. Did you catch uh, who else's first, one of his first acting roles was in this movie? Chaz Palminteri. William Her, or, William H. Macy. As William J. H. Macy. Yeah. JJ. Yeah. The hairdresser. And Chaz Palminteri. Did you guys see Chaz? Mm-mm. He's the driver of the limo. Oh. Uh, Rudy Huxtable. I was wondering. That, she, she was, I think, wasn't she doing Cosby at the time? No. Or? No, this was her first. Was it her first? Her first. Gig. The kid who also played Cockroach. On, yes. On, yes. Uh, he was around in that diner. Scene. He's one of uh, the, what's the son's name? Richie. Richie's. He, he was one of Richie's friends, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, because I was looking at her, I go, man, that looks just like Rudy. Mm-hmm. I looked I looked for her in the credits, and I didn't see her. I think she's way at the bottom. Well, I went looking for her, but I didn't see her. No. Yeah. What would you think of Faith Prince? 
Angela. I thought it was a funny character. And I thought, you know, clearly we're basing this off of Cindy Lauper. Exactly. And, um, you know, it was fine for what it needed to be. It was over the top. Every one of these characters was over the top. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for the, the style and the story and the way it, it plays out, I thought she was okay. She's a I thought ton- she was fine. She's an, a Tony winning actress. Yeah. Tony award winning. If only she had a script to make her shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it is what it is, right? Who was the better singer, her or Vanity? Come on now. What did you guys think of the soundtrack? I mean, it is Motown, after all. It was passable. I love the soundtrack. It's one of the things that draws me to the movie. Me too. Back when uh, I watched it, way back when, uh, the title song, Last Dragon, has always stuck in my head. Uh, Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge is always a favorite. No matter where you're listening to it, it's always a nice little groove. And even that vanity song, I don't mind. You know, but when we get to the scene where she sings it, that's a different story. But the song itself, I don't mind. I didn't mind Vanity Six. After watching this movie again after so many years, I had to actually go and download a bunch of the songs to my to my playlist so I can listen to them. Had to. Had, had to. to. Absolutely. Now he didn't get to. He had to. I had to. Moral imperative. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Hey, Don, do you know what time it is? Uh, No, John, what time is it? It's trivia time. In our continuing pursuit to crown a master of movie trivia, I have prepared a series of questions related to today's movie. Please wait until I finish each question before throwing out your answer. First question. What was Daddy Green's first name? Leroy. That is correct. They do refer to him at one point in the movie as Senior, which makes him Leroy Senior. What does Rock feed the fish in the tank? A pig. A pig's leg. Yeah. Well, I I didn't think you would think that I meant that it was an entire fucking pig. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Finish Leroy's rap. What it smell like, what it is, what it blank. What it looked like, my man. Nice. Nice work. What was the color of the arrow that Leroy caught in the beginning of the movie? Blue. Nice work, Professor. At the movie theater, how many people did Shogun invite down the aisle to come shut him up? 50. Nice work. I told you, dude. Who owned the medallion before Leroy received it from from his master? Uh, The master said it was Bruce Lee. But I don't know if he really did or not. Yeah, that's who he said it was, Bruce Lee. I know. When Richie is explaining the art of making love to Leroy, what two things does Richie say Leroy doesn't have? He doesn't have the moves, and he doesn't have a fucking paintbrush. Nice. Nice work. What did the license plate say on Angela's backside during her test drive video shoot? (laughs) Tail lights? No, what did it say on the license plate? Tail lights. No. No. What was it? Hot for you. Oh. Fuck, I missed one, Professor. Here's the final question. Are you guys ready for it? Show yep. enough. Who's the master? Show enough. That final answer? Yeah. Okay. I would say show enough, or I would also accept I am. I am. And you see the laugh he gives him afterwards is so fucking diabolical. Mm. <laughs> Uh, all right so listeners i'm gonna go ahead and say that i kicked the professor's ass this week um 
But, however, John, it's still a what? It's still a tie. Yeah, so. Because Professor won last week. There you have it. In New York City, Leroy Green, also known as Bruce Leroy, has dreams of becoming a great martial artist like his idol Bruce Lee. His master explains that he has reached the final level of martial arts accomplishment known as the Last Dragon. Martial artists who reach the final level are said to be able to concentrate such mystical energy into their hands that they begin to glow. Only a true martial arts master would be able to exhibit the glow over his entire body. Leroy doesn't fully understand and, in possession of a medal supposedly belonging to Bruce Lee, Leroy embarks upon a spiritual journey to find Master Some Dumb Goy, whom his master claims that can help Leroy unlock the power of the glow. Another martial artist, Shonuff, also known as the Shogun of Harlem, sees Leroy as the only obstacle to being acknowledged as the true master of martial arts. When Leroy refuses to fight him, a furious Shonuff attempts to menace Leroy into accepting his challenge. Accompanied by his minions, Crush, Beast, and Cyclone, Shonuff barges into Leroy's martial arts school. The gang assaults Johnny Yu, one of Leroy's students, demanding that Leroy bow before Shonuff. Finally, Shonuff and company ransack the Green family's pizza restaurant. So this movie opens up with a scene of Leroy working out, uh, doing his martial arts and everything. And as he's working out, he's breaking these arrows. What do you think of the opening? Oh, the, I thought the opening was very 80s. Uh, I'm going to go back to the soundtrack. Uh, I love this opening song. So it was fun. And you automatically get to know who Leroy is, you know. And lucky for us throughout this whole bit, he's not talking. <laughs> so that always helps. What do you think there, big guy? Uh, the slow motion intro made me feel like I was in a music video. Which is funny that you say that because I'm going to go ahead and say that most movies in 1985 were music videos. Yeah, I would agree. And we could probably have a whole show on just that. What'd you think? Did you love this opening? I, I liked it getting to know our character, especially getting to immediately get right into the point of the movie, which is the martial arts. Also, the fact that the arrows being shot were a practical stunt. He was actually breaking those arrows as they were being shot. I also like that, you know, this whole opening, you know, where Leroy's taking it very seriously, but you kind of finally get you know, this mystical master who's not as serious and kind of gives me that big trouble in little China kind of vibe of you're taking it way too seriously. Eh, maybe. Uh, I took it as, you know, he catches the arrow and he has reached the level and his master says, I have nothing else to teach you, uh, but Leroy won't accept that, mm -hmm. right? So the master gives him a medal, which I thought immediately looked like a belt buckle. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm loving what's going on so, so far, so I don't care. And then he says, go find master some dumb goy and complete your quest. The and first level is to return to the beginning. That's right. And then this is one of those films, and Professor, I think you had mentioned this a couple podcasts ago. This is one of those movies where... The characters say the title of the movie in said movie. They oh, they oh, yeah, yeah. they call it the Last Dragon. They do it a couple of times. You know, I I might start keeping even, track of that. even show enough says to him, "You don't look like the Last Dragon." Yeah. So from here, we go out to New York City, and Leroy is walking around with a Chinese hat. Well, 
almost every one of his outfits seemed like a salute to Bruce Lee. Um, it, it's something like even that walking around New York, Bruce Lee had worn something similar in a movie. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that because he wears the same jumpsuit that Bruce wore in Game of Death. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's just go ahead and say it right now. Bruce Lee, uh, Leroy, I think, thinks he wishes he was Asian, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, he, he takes on the characteristics. Now, this film, I don't know. I This film could get made today. However, I think a lot of things would have to change. Um, I and I couldn't help but notice how many times they uh, use the word oriental. And I'm thinking, wow, can't do that today. No, there, right? there'd be a lot of claims of what cultural appropriation. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, some of the terminology would have to be updated. Absolutely. I'm but I think the story itself could, mm-hmm. could, be, could be made today. Yeah, because they even call him out in the movie for acting too Asian, that he's, you know, he's, he's, in too much into that role. Yeah, well, I mean, this guy can't act to begin with, so sorry. Mm-hmm. And so from here, uh, Leroy goes to the movies, and he's in the movie theater, and we get introduced to our villain. We also get the sense of, it seems like everybody in Harlem is into the martial arts and the Asian scene, and um, you know, there's that one where these two guys start breaking are break dancing in the middle of the theater and oh the if guy you comes up and does a big you if know. you were an 80s stereotype you were in that theater oh yeah so um show enough walks in and this is where we get introduced and he's making his presence known and it, a big fight ensues but what happens is is show enough is you know talking his shit and then this little kid says i know who can beat you and you know who that little kid was who was that the director's son oh was it mm-hmm. yeah and so uh he says bruce leroy and shows like who the fuck is bruce leroy you know and then he goes down and in typical fashion uh bruce leroy isn't doing anything what'd you guys think of this whole theater scene it just made me want to watch enter the dragon i was like Mm -hmm. oh man i'm ready to watch Enter the dragon right now agreed good sir that's what i thought too and this is kind of what i was talking about earlier about this movie turning me on to the idea of martial arts this is what started my journey of watching bruce lee movies it introduced bruce lee to me and so i was able to expand from this movie and this is technically the second film that we have reviewed that has bolo young in it Mm -hmm. true that yeah Uh, i thought this scene was fun Uh, i knew that you know uh, Bruce wasn't going to fight a uh, show because we have to save something for the end. What does he uh, say to show enough? Do you remember the quote? Uh, something about the river being guided by light. I don't know. The, the river being wet. Is that no. what it is? No, he says the secret awaits eyes unclouded by ambition. Yeah. Which I guess is supposedly a kind of a Bruce Lee uh, sentimentality on the idea of of ambition uh it's better to do than to aim for something yeah well but he didn't do anything yeah neither of them did right uh Uh, but but they're building they're building the tension between the two characters he's basically saying to show enough that his ambition to being the top martial artist of harlem or the world or whatever won't get in the happiness that he seeks he should just be happy with who he is and then we are introduced to uh, Eddie Arcadian and his crew. And this is kind of the, the plot of the movie, 
right? You have this video arcade uh, guru who wants to get involved in music videos. And I guess you know, uh, a sure way of getting your video popular and getting it out there is to put it on Laura Charles's show. Yeah, well, the basic thing is he wants to be world famous and he wants to basically use somebody to get him there. Originally, it was that rock guy was going to be this prize you know, boxer fighter that he could then, you know, ride him all the way to the world championship that failed. So now it's this, you know, I, and lady I, Angela. I love what he says to, uh, what rock says to him. If you would have put this much effort in getting me a title fight, maybe I'd be champ right now. And then Arcadian's response is so classic. You fucking lost dude. You lost the fight. So what, what do you want me to do? It was so good. Um, yeah. And so we get to know that, uh, Eddie is obviously going to be one of our bad guys too. So now we have two bad guys of the film, but he is more of Laura Charles's bad guy than he is Leroy Greens at the moment. And then we get uh, the introduction to Seventh Heaven and courtesy uh, of the Barge, the Debarge music video montage. Absolutely, which is uh, which was pretty much the music video at the time. And like I said earlier on, I love this fucking song. So this is a great part for me. And then we get uh, we see Vanity, and she's in the backstage getting ready to go out on um, out on the air. And that's where we get William H Macy begging her to play the video. That's right, because we are told that Eddie Arcadian is not someone you want to say no to. So immediately we have a gangster type feel to this character. And he's the king of like video game, arcade, video arcade games. Yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that what it is? Yeah. And, and she's the, she's like the queen of the, the video music videos. Uh, oh, the, the video rock queen. That's what it is. Yeah. Right. It's like a discotheque dance club kind of, but it's on TV. Yeah, so it's a cross between Soul Train and American Bandstand. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. And then we watch a bunch of people dancing around for, I don't know, a couple minutes. And then enter Laura. Uh, what would you think of her big big number? I like this song because I liked Vanity, right? Nasty Girls is one of the best songs ever. Totally. But... Oh, this oh, this is her dancing. That yeah, that's right. Yeah, so much. Um, it's funny because she at the time was a pop star, and she is a pop star trying to be an actress, trying to be a pop star, and that's what it looked like. It didn't look natural. It didn't look. It didn't look like what she was actually capable of performing. Mm-hmm. So. One has to wonder, you know, what the fuck was going on there? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The way that I had read it was she was obviously, she was found originally by Prince and became kind of a Prince protege in, uh, I think it was called the Five Vanities or something like that. Some band that she was in originally. Vanity Six. Six. Vanity Six. Okay, that's right. Uh, And when it got time to this movie, this movie is what kind of launched her over to Barry Gordy's side and Motown Records. She ended up working for Motown Records. Yeah, I guess. After this movie, she kind of disappears. She does Action Jackson with Apollo Creed. Mm -hmm. And then I believe she does a movie with Gene Simmons. She has other little bit parts that she does. But I think Gene Simmons being a bad guy in one of them. Or am I thinking of Runaway? I'm thinking you're thinking of Runaway. With Tom Selleck? Yeah, but that's Christy Alley. That's not reality. Anyways, um... 
but she did do a string of just i think smaller movies um unfortunately she got into a big cocaine habit and that kind of caused her all kinds of problems in the future right right and so during this bit at the end laura is getting uh you know ushered to her car and then we have this cliche uh our hero walking by our uh love interest in their eyes locking well right before and, yeah, that, that moment right before that we get the whole thing with richie basically saying that's his, that's his girl he's gonna marry her right so we, we Rich, get we get introduced brother. we get introduced to the younger brother right and so as the uh car is leaving another classic trope wrong limo driver which is Chess Palmentary, by the way. And we comes to find out that Laura is getting kidnapped and uh, Leroy is at the right place at the right time and he takes care of business. What did you guys think of this first fight first, scene? First of all, how did Leroy know she was being kidnapped? Because she's screaming. Does she scream? Yeah. I thought they got like a block away before she made any noises. Well, yeah, but he was still walking because oh. he notices it. Yeah, I, I thought he was just taking the same path that the limo took. Right. And then once all the screaming started to, to take place, then he happened to be in the right place at the right time. Right. So you guys like the scene or? Yeah, I, I personally I thought it was a great introduction to, you know, our first big fight that he takes out, what, three or four guys? Yeah, pretty easily. What do you think of the uh, choreograph fights in the scene? I think the fighting in the entire movie is uh, fun and passable and practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what kept me coming back to watch it again and again and again was uh, the action and Vanity's face. But growing up and watching movies for <laughs> other reasons, I, I've looked at it differently, but I will say that I personally think the fighting holds up. I love the fact that he just beats the hell out of these guys. They go back to Eddie Arcadian, and uh, there's, I- there's 20... 30 guys. Yeah, not only that, there was like 30 guys, and they were black. Yeah, well, I mean, 1985. Yeah. And so after this, um, Shonuff is going to show up at the dojo at uh, Bruce Leroy's school. And so we find out that he is a teacher, mm-hmm. and he has all of his students, and we are introduced to Johnny. What do you uh, think of Johnny? I thought Johnny was hilarious. Uh, I thought he was good comic relief. Uh, he plays into the stereotype pretty heavily. However, I guess back in 85, that's what you did, well, right? But I, I thought he was fun. Well, the interesting thing I thought was this movie was trying to break a lot of stereotypes of black people, that it was trying to portray them as heroes and that they could carry a whole movie as being the star of the movie, yet they were portraying a lot of Asian stereotypes that are just very stereotypical but I did appreciate the idea of, you know, anytime you have, you know, back then especially, that you had an Asian person in a movie, well, you automatically, they knew martial arts. And they introduced this Johnny Yu, who kind of even looks a little like Bruce Lee, you know, Bruce Lee himself. So I like that they, you know, they introduce him, you know, an Asian who doesn't know martial arts, but does that whole thing of, well, if I just yell loud enough, everyone will be scared of me. Oh, I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. He just acted like he knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. you know, until it, until it didn't. Until he got punched in the stomach. Right. And so Shonuff and his crew walk in, and we know that there's going to be a showdown. But still, Leroy will not fight. You know, so you have uh, you have Shonuff and his cronies kind of taunting him, going back and forth. 
And then Johnny steps in and he's got to put up or shut up and he doesn't do a very good job. And so, uh, uh, crush and beast or two of the cronies, uh, are holding Johnny and they're like, uh, kiss Shonuff's shoes. Kit, that's where the the big line comes from that you hear all the time. Kiss the converse. He's forced to go down and kiss his converse. And, you know, obviously he gets kicked and then Shonuff in typical bad guy fashion leaves. And all of his students are watching him. And Leroy, you know, he's, uh, he's it's hard. To- it's hard to walk the path of the righteous, he says. Well, he's also trying to set an example for his students because when he goes through the lessons, like their whole purpose in the beginning, which is, you know, Lord help me kind of so that I never have to show off my skills kind of thing. Right. And then uh, we see Leroy on the roof before breakfast and we are introduced to the rest of the Green family. Richie, the little baby sister, and then mom and dad, Green. And we find out that they own a pizza shop. Richie is in love with Laura. And turns out that Leroy, he decides that he has to has to get back to Laura because he has apparently lost his medallion. And so he is counting on Richie to get him back to Laura so he can get his medallion back. What did right. you guys think of Richie? Oh, I thought he was uh I thought he was fine. He was I thought he was a little brother. Didn't you think he was just annoying as hell? No. I mean, he comes off, especially throughout this home, you know, most of this movie is just a little jerk, you know, brother. Well, I mean, look at it from his perspective. His brother at the time to everyone else was weird, Mm -hmm. right? So he's got a, imagine how your brother felt, bud. Oh, my brother thought I was awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. Totally different story. Let's get him on the show. Yeah, let's let's call Jeff up. Hey, Jeff. You know, the whole thing of, uh, and I see where you're coming from, Don. You know, Bruce Leroy was seen as kind of this weird guy. And the fact that everybody knows that Shonuff keeps challenging him to a fight. And it almost seems like Leroy is running away. And all this time that he's been training and doing all these martial arts. And he's supposed to have this kind of reputation. Yet he won't fight. So he thinks his brother's a little bit of a coward. Plus, Leroy starts asking about the girl that Richie wants. Meanwhile, video arcade mogul Eddie Arcadian sends his men to kidnap local VJ Laura Charles, owner of the 7th Heaven Studio, where she films a TV series similar to Soul Train. Eddie hopes to get several trashy music videos he has produced starring his girlfriend Angela Verraco featured on Laura's show. The kidnapped attempt is thwarted by Leroy, who easily fends off the thugs. He loses his medallion during the struggle, which Laura recovers. Later, Leroy witnesses Laura being kidnapped by Eddie Arcadian's brutish henchman, Rock. A clue left behind reveals that the kidnappers work for Eddie Arcadian Productions. Laura refuses to promote Angela's video on her program, but Arcadian's men prepare to coerce her. Leroy suddenly bursts into the room clothed as a ninja and rescues Laura once again. Back at her apartment... Laura gratefully returns Leroy's medal. Consumed with vengeance, Arcadian hires Shonuff to defeat Leroy and take control of the 7th Heaven studio, capturing Laura and Leroy's younger brother, Richie, who has snuck in hoping to woo Laura. So during this time, Leroy wants to meet Laura uh, because he lost his medallion when he saves her the first time. And Richie's like, fuck no, dude, you're not going with me. And he begs him and he begs him. And finally, Richie takes him along, but they can't get in. And then Leroy's like, you weren't going to enter in without paying, right? So 
a little more cheesy dialogue here. But Richie goes to sneak in and conveniently, while Leroy is waiting, he sees uh, Rock and uh, Laura leave the building and they're kid they're trying to kidnap yeah, Laura they throw again. Her in the van. Yeah. So the van s- speeds away, but he drops like this little notebook thing or whatever clipboard that has Eddie Arcadian's information on it just conveniently. Right. So now he knows where to find him. We cut to Eddie Arcadian. They're holding Laura hostage. We get to see one of the videos. And uh I love the I love when Laura turns away and Eddie takes her face and and forces it back to watch it. How on earth is she ever going to say yes? A, why would she say yes? And B, what is your end game here, buddy? Because you've just kidnapped somebody. Right, and like she's going to be so willing to show your video now. Well, I think he wants everyone afraid of him to do whatever he'll say. Yeah, well, it doesn't work because he's really not that intimidating. Well, I like how the fact, you know, that, you know, they're all like, okay, so now you're going to play the video, great video. And she's like, no. Yeah. You're fucking high. Yeah, I'm going to play your video. Let's go back to the studio and we'll get that set up. Bring the video with you. And yeah, we're going to go do that. Let me talk to my assistant. Call the police. Well, yeah. I love the little bit of foreshadowing too early on with uh, the rock feeding whatever is in that green fish tank thing. So you know somebody's going in that fish tank. At some point, right? At some point, yeah. So you're kind of getting that hint that, oh, Something's in something crazy's in that tank. Yeah. So Laura has said no, and Eddie Arcadian. They're about to get rough. Enter Leroy. I was going to say the dragon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. So here comes Leroy, and he makes light work of everybody again. And this is where the tank comes back into play. Did you catch the issue with the tank? That there was a fish in it. Well, apparently. Uh, the actor who played Eddie Arcadian, you know, he gets his face slammed into that fish tank. Yeah, he hits a, a pipe. I guess there was, that's what was in it. They asked him what was in the fish tank, and it was a big metal pipe that was obviously blowing a lot of bubbles. Yeah. And if you notice, when they pulled his head out and they're talking to him, right above his eyebrow is bleeding. Yeah, I saw that. Because they slammed him so hard into that pipe. Yeah, I, I was thinking, well, the A, how does the beast not just rip his face off? Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. You know, so, yeah, is what it is. So uh, Leroy saves Laura and, you know, she, he asks her, I totally dropped something the other night. And she was like, um, you mean this belt buckle? Yeah, come back to my place. Yeah. So they go back to her place. In the meantime, show enough shows up at the pizza shop. And I think this is the first time that show is really a dick. All the times before, he's just a loud mouth. Yeah, he was and just barking. Yeah, he, he wasn't really doing anything. But he goes in and he trashes the family's pizza restaurant. And I like when he, uh, so Angela's video is being played and shows like, what the fuck is this shit? And he kicks the jukebox and uh, Leroy Sr. I don't even own that. I thought that was a good line. Yeah. I love though, and uh, as he's like, his people are breaking everything. The mom wants to come kick some ass. Oh, I love that. And he's holding her back because, yeah. you know, clearly they don't give a fuck, so they probably would have hurt the mom. And they start throwing the dough. Yeah. And then uh, Richie tries to intervene, and he gets thrown in the garbage, literally. What did you think of this whole scene, Professor? Not comical, but not necessarily serious either. Mm-hmm. Did it give you any kind of feels for the bad guys at all? Like, did you feel like they also entered a new 
level of badness? No. I no, I just I never took them seriously just because of their their costumes that they wear and show enough sunglasses that he wears and prior to this, Leroy seeks out some dumb goy and he sees the three Asian guys in the front rapping and playing dice or whatever and Leroy asks to see the master and the guys are like you're fucking out of your mind. They're Fuck off. Nobody sees the mask. Right. Just fuck off. And so he has to leave. Leroy gets all upset after the pizza shop destruction and he goes to work out. And then she uh, and then Laura shows up and says, I want you to be my bodyguard. He's a little cold to her. His his fine acting kind of shows off that he's upset and inner turmoil. Yeah. Something like that. And, um, you know, later on, uh, they hook up again and... This time, Laura wants to show him something. Well, this does he come to the club to apologize? Yes, he comes to the club to apologize. No, no, no. He goes to her apartment. Apartment. Because he knows apartment. where she lives. And then she takes him to the... That's this. right. And she says, don't move. Don't disappear. I'm going to take you somewhere. So he plays the Bruce Lee music a well, video. Yeah. The, she, uh, she put together magically in the short 24 hours that she's known him, 36 hours that she's known him. She puts together this montage of the song, The Glow, which... She just found out about in the car ride that he's trying to achieve the glow. Anyways, she shows it to him and it's a bunch of Bruce Lee clips. But the one that Bruce Leroy pays special attention to is Bruce Lee from the Chinese Connection. Mm -hmm. Where he pretends to be a phone repairman. Right. Which is funny because what other movie do they imitate that same scene that we have reviewed? A telephone repairman? Yeah. Shang-Chi? No, it was in uh, Big Trouble in Little China where he goes into the brothel pretending to be uh, a patron. That's right. They even call it out. Yeah. They even call it out. And so um, he gets the idea, so he goes back to some dumb goy, but this time he wants to be more black. Well, he's he's being a pizza delivery guy. Right. But the way he's talking and the way he's um, acting. What it is, man. He's trying to be more of a soul brother, which... Uh, whatever. The soul brother like no other, I think is what he says. Something like that. And so he goes in and he wants to meet the master. Yeah. But to try to infiltrate it, everything, he starts playing, you know, craps with them, but teaching them his version of craps, uh, which they're really just kind of using him to try to get money off him, all that. And eventually he shows them the medallion that he, you know, should get him an invite to see the master. And they kind of sneak him out the back door, trick him to go outside, and lock him out. Right. And then in the meantime, Eddie is holding tryouts. What do you think of these tryouts? he is uh, recruiting the henchmen. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I thought it was funny. I, th- I thought it made sense for the character to do it. Probably didn't remind you, but it reminded me of Blazing Saddles when they are recruiting all the bad guys. No, it reminded me of The Patriot mm. with Mel Gibson. Mm. There's a bit where they're recruiting as well. Yeah. Very similar. I just thought such the, the weird campy characters, if you looked at the line of all the like almost like comic book style characters, and you had like the dog guy. and Right. And then finally he goes and he hires Shonuff. Mm-hmm. And Shonuff says, keep your money. Just bring Leroy to the designated spot so I can designate my foot in his ass now professor you're pretty good at spotting like stacks of money and kind of estimating guessing how much money was in there i noticed the stacks all had like 20 dollar bills on top 
Would you have any guess how much that might have been in that briefcase? Well, if it was $20 bills, it would have been $250,000, but those were red straps, which represented $500 oh. for $5 bills. So eat that, motherfucker. Okay, 250000 Okay. That's not bad. Not bad for an ass whooping. Yeah, and I'm thinking, is his arcade business really doing that that well? It must be. $20 straps are purple. Well, there you go. Maybe the color was off on your TV and they were actually purple. That's possible. I know, 1985, right? Has this been remastered? I'm sure it has. Probably. Probably. And so Arcadian takes over. Seventh Heaven. Seventh Heaven. But in the meantime, Richie was there and tries to intervene. But both him and Laura get caught. And they have now set a trap for Bruce Lee. Well, right before that, you know, after seeing the whole video and all that stuff, Bruce Leroy and Laura Charles share a kiss and that's what Richie sees and he gets all angry and butthurt over it runs out and then comes back in after Bruce after Leroy has left and that's when we see the kidnapping posing as a pizza delivery man Leroy manages to infiltrate the assumed lair of master some dumb goy within a fortune cookie factory but is shocked to discover that the master is only a computer churning out cookie fortunes Leroy consults his former master for answers, but his master suggests that Leroy has known the answers all along. Not wanting anyone to get hurt in the process of achieving her stardom, Angela leaves Arcadian and asks Johnny to warn Leroy about his plan. As Leroy returns to 7th Heaven, he is ambushed by an army of violent thugs hired by Arcadian. Leroy's students, led by Johnny, charge into the studio to even the odds. Using Laura as bait, Eddie lures Leroy to a dilapidated building where he finally faces off against Shonuff. During the battle, Shonuff reveals his ability to use the glow, his hands pulsating with a red aura, and beats Leroy viciously before attempting to force him to acknowledge Shonuff as the master. As recent events flash before Leroy's eyes, he realizes that his former master was correct and that everything he needed to achieve the final level was within him all along. His entire body bathed in the sublime golden light of the glow, Leroy uses his newfound power to defeat Shonuff. Arcadian appears to fire a single bullet, which Leroy catches between his teeth before detaining Arcadian for the police. Laura and Leroy are reunited at the studio where the two kiss. Roll credits. So we're into the third act of this film. Uh, The stage has been set. Laura and Richie are kidnapped. And Angela goes to Leroy's dojo to warn uh, Leroy, but he's not there because he's clowning around with the some dumb goy boys. Uh, what did you guys think of uh, Angela coming and warning Leroy? I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, neither was I. I kind of got the feeling when she decided to leave, you know, Eddie Arcadian, that she. Because she kept saying over and over again, she didn't want anybody to get hurt. Right. And, and then Eddie was taking this too fucking far. Yeah. And uh, when she left, I had a feeling that she was going to go. Because there's some something had to happen for Leroy to find out where to go. I mean, there had to be something to tip off the hero to where he needed to have the big fight scene. Absolutely. And so uh, Leroy and the some dumb goy boys are playing hopscotch. Hopscotch craps, yeah. Um, and it turns out that 
uh, Leroy is being fed up, like you said. So they they said, okay, you can meet the master. They take him. They put him outside. Out on the street. And then all of a sudden, boom, he kicks the fucking door in. And now he's pissed, right? He wants to see the master. And they give it up. They give up the the secret that there is no master. And some dumb goy is just a computer churning out fortune cookies. Mm-hmm. So Leroy is fucking devastated. He's all, why would my master lie to me? What the fuck is going on? So he goes back to the first master. And what, I, you know, one of the things, again, I love this movie, but one of the things that always bothered me is it was so obvious to the audience the whole time of what message, you know, everybody's been trying to get Leroy to understand that Leroy is the only one who can't get it. So what bugs you about it? Just the fact that it took him so long to figure it out. Well, what, he's the main character. He's, he has an arc to go through. Yeah. So he goes back to his master and the master admits to giving him a belt buckle and saying, you needed a charm. You needed something to go do because what you need to reach the final level, I can't give you. And it's self-confidence. You, you're not going to get that from me. And so uh, Leroy is like, fuck, okay, whatever. And um, I love he, how you ask him because he's the master's on a way to go on a trip. And he's in, you know, in a rush. And it's like, are you going on some kind of spiritual journey? I'm going to Florida to visit my mother. I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Leroy makes it back to the dojo and uh, Johnny tells him that Shona or that Arcadian has set a trap for you and um, you better watch out. And so immediately uh, Leroy's getting ready. He's got his ninja outfit on getting and all his weapons. And Johnny's like, I wouldn't have told you if I knew you were going to go, but you can't go alone. And I love Leroy's response. Okay, you're going. Uh, are you going to fight with your bare hands? Get some weapons. And he goes in and then uh, Leroy locks him in the closet. And again, we get kind of that Johnny, you uh, humor of, you know, I'm afraid of the dark. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so uh, Leroy takes off and he's going to go save the day. And who lets Johnny out? Uh, the little kid. Ty. Uh, Ernie Ray's Jr. Yeah. Yeah. And so they got to go help Leroy. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, Leroy makes it into seventh heaven and, you know, in typical maniacal rule of the world fashion, Arcanian is up on the platform watching everything on video monitors. Well, I love the fact that, you know, Leroy is, you know, in his ninja outfit and being all stealthy and he's kind of breaking into the roof area and immediately Eddie Arcadian sees him on the video. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. And then what follows? A bunch of two-bit hooligans. And uh, everyone that Arcadian is hired. And Leroy does okay until... Uh, they start beating him with chains. Right. Well, yeah, I noticed that. Uh, he has his nunchucks and he goes after one of the guys named Goliath. I'll always remember that line from this movie. Way to go, Goliath! It was just it's such an out-of-place line. The guy that line. eats the... Yeah, he's nunchuck. the one that eats the nunchuck, right. And so he gets the drop on him. But this moment, I think, is very heartwarming, and I really enjoy it, is when the entire school Johnny comes shows in. up with the school. That's right, and they come to save him. And the music gets uplifted, and then Johnny uh, pretending to know karate and then accidentally making contact which triggers something, yeah. and he turns into a real martial artist, and even Leroy's like, way to go, Johnny, mm-hmm. you know? And so we have the big fight. I really like this scene. I don't know why I always connect with this scene, but when Johnny gets knocked down, and all of a sudden Ty goes into killer mode, the little kid, uh, and just starts beating the hell out of people. Oh, yeah, he has to, right? And we saw that. We saw it coming. And it was it's one of my favorite scenes, too, mm-hmm. right? Because it's such a payoff. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so Eddie leaves with Laura, and uh, I like how Richie gets out of his uh, his bank. He does right. his little squiggle, dance squiggle, thing. squiggle, squiggle. Yeah, well, he's break dancing. Yeah, right. He's pop and locking, pop and lock. That's to exactly. get out of uh, his restraints. I thought that was cute. Uh, one thing that we were talking about earlier uh, off air was Ty, you know, that little martial arts kid has a great fight scene with a big masked guy. Who was the big masked guy? I don't know. What did we say off air? We said it was his father. Yeah, there you go. It was his father in real life who actually was one of the martial arts uh, choreographic uh, guys uh, who was setting up a lot of the fights. Yeah, he was he was a stunt coordinator. Stunt coordinator, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So and, and it's the one where he fl- he flips little rays. Yeah. So if you if listeners if you're watching it when uh the little dude's fighting the dude with the mask and he's running at him and the dude with the mask flips him, that's his dad. Yeah. So totally probably they probably felt very safe and uh confident that they could do it. And yeah. it fucking paid off. It looks great. And that little guy has gone on to do a bunch of other movies. He was in Surf Ninjas, Teenage Mutant and Turtles. What else was he in? Uh he's in The Rundown with The Rock and Rosario Dawson. He's one of the Lost Boys, if you will. Yes. It's it's a, it's a great scene. Is that him with the bald head? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's him. him. And so uh like you were saying Professor Eddie kidnaps Laura and he's they're leading Leroy away, and Leroy say, follows him. Doesn't he even declare it. This is now the final act. No, he says the uh, final round. Oh, final round or main event. This is the main event, and show enough's waiting for him, and they have a fight, and you think Leroy gets the best of him. He kicks Show through a fucking door, and then show enough has the glow. What do you guys think of this whole bit? I, I didn't raise my eyebrows at all when it happened. It's like, well, of course, because why should only the good guy have a glow? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's one of those tropes where, you know, the the good guy has to be set up against insurmountable uh, odds. And him having the glow made it very difficult for Leroy to continue. Special effects back in, I don't know, 1985, uh, considering, you know, what they had to work with. What do you think of this whole glow effect and the sparks coming off every time they hit something. What do you mean? What did I think about then or now? Both. Uh, Then I bought it as part of the story. Now I buy it as part of the story. Does it hold up and look visually stunning? No, not by any stretch, not by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm already along for the ride so far. Mm-hmm. And back in 85, I'm like, oh, that's so fucking cool, right? We're waiting for Leroy to get it because we know he has to get it, mm-hmm. you know? So I did like, I appreciated that, you know, the dialogue of Shogun, you know, keep saying to him, when I ask you who's the master, you're going to say show enough. The one thing that I, like, I, I kind of bothered me is at one point he says to him, I'm only going to ask you one more time, who's the master? And then he proceeds to ask him two more times. Yeah, well, who knows my madmen do what they do. Yeah. Right? So, Shonuff is virtually drowning Leroy. He keeps asking, yeah. who am I? Who am I? Well, who Ed, am I? Eddie's even yelling, drowned his ass. Yeah, I know. I know. And he lifts him up. And this is probably my favorite part of the entire movie. Because as he's getting dunked, we're flashing back to what everyone has said. And he's building the confidence. And it's the fucking song. I'll say, that's right? what this music is. And he, he pulls out his head for the last time. And it's in slow motion. And then this is the first time that in this song, they're saying, you are the last dragon. And he says, uh, all right, fucker, who's the master? And Leroy's like, I am. And... 
that's it. That's the turn. And sure enough's like, mother. And I think he even mouths it. He's like, this motherfucker. And he goes to hit him. And I love, I love in movies when somebody throws a punch and then the other person catches it. I don't know why. I just think it's one of the coolest things. And he catches it and he keeps telling show, I am. I'm the master now. And then the glow changes. And then uh, Leroy gets a golden glow. Yeah, I really like this part, especially because as he comes up, you can see all of a sudden this confidence on his face. All of his wounds magically heal. I don't know if you noticed that too. Uh, maybe it's just from the water washing away all the blood, but he just, no more bruises or anything on his face. But the big thing I really liked about this scene is he throws the punch, he catches the fist, and as he's holding the fist, Shogun's like, let me go, let me go. Yeah, and then uh, the laugh. Uh, that Leroy gives him is it's almost evil. You can hear this like crunching of yeah, the knuckles. Absolutely. So then uh show's like, all right, fucker, let's go. And he's trying to get his glow back. But and he's it's not starting. Right. It's not starting. And you know, Leroy kicks his ass and he dispatches of show enough. He kind of does that that Bruce Lee thing of where they kind of blur the hands. Similar to the styles they had done. With. Oh, it was a complete copycat. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's exactly what they were doing. Mm. And it's fine. I mean, the whole... The whole the, movie was a salute, I think, to Bruce Lee. Oh, uh, yeah. And so uh, he defeats Show, but we still have Arcadian, and he's got a gun. And earlier on, we heard the myth that Bruce Leroy can catch bullets with his teeth. Yeah. Uh, but now that he has the glow, Arcadian shoots him, and everybody thinks he's dead. And we get the song again. You are the last dragon. And he turns and spits the bullet out and saves the day. What we didn't mention, and I, I remember, I think I even fucking wrote it down. Uh, when Richie goes to help him, and then one of the uh, show enough guys picks him up and throws him, and he hits his head on the fucking tank, how is he not fucking dead? Well, it looked like he had gotten a concussion, because remember when he gets up, he starts stumbling around? Yeah, that wasn't my question. How is he not fucking dead? I, I don't know how he's not dead, but... <laughs> But he's definitely beat up. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> that looks so rough. But you knew uh, Leroy had to take out all the show enough guys before he got to him. So mm. anyways, so Leroy saves the day, and we're back at 7th Heaven. And I got to know how much time has passed because everybody has changed. They're all in white. white. But as the police are coming and arresting Arcadian and show enough, uh, Laura's people are dragging her out to do hair and makeup. So that leads me to believe that this is following this right after. Well, the funny thing is, is you're absolutely right. Cause they drag her out and she shows up at seventh heaven and she looks like she hasn't seen him in weeks. Right. She's all de it, depressed it, it, and she, mopey. Yeah. And, and then everyone's in white. So it must've been a white party. And, uh, he shows up with the flowers. And of course, you know, he's asking her, will you show me some moves? And, of course, the music stops and he says it out loud, and Very everybody, cliche. yep, everybody, yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, cheers and goes, ah. But we had to get the brother moment. Absolutely, where the brother is like, uh, his buddy's like, ah, man, he's still fucking weird. And he's like, hey, man, he's the fucking master. And, mm -hmm. you know. Do you have any thoughts on the final fight scene? Or It was exactly what I was expecting. The more the professor talks, the more I'm excited about hearing his review. Speaking of. Last Dragons, wasn't Smog a Last Dragon in a series? Oh, for fuck's sakes. And now it's time for John's... ...moment. This is the point in our podcast where I take whatever movie we are currently reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made. 
Lord of the Rings. Now, it's pretty obvious that both Lord of the Rings and Last Dragon feature characters on an assigned journey. Frodo, well, it's obvious he's Bruce Leroy Green. He's the main focus of our movie and the one specifically on a specialized journey. Sam, well, that would be Laura Charles. She acts as a support for Leroy throughout the movie and one of the main aspects to building up his confidence that helps him succeed at the end. Gandalf, well, that would have to be Leroy's original master. Just like Gandalf for Frodo, it's the master who puts Leroy on the journey, giving him, inspira- giving him the inspiration he needs to get him where he's going. In some ways, Leroy is also has Aragorn-type qualities, especially when it comes to leading and being an example for his students. This would make Johnny Yu his Legolas. While not as skilled as Legolas, he definitely had Leroy's back at times. That would make Ty, the younger pal of Johnny, Gimli. Not because he's short, but because he has a sassy relationship with Johnny, and also, when you get him angry, you pay the price. As for Richie Green, Leroy's younger brother, well, I felt he was a lot like Boromir. He's the member of the Fellowship who reluctantly helps out our hero, but really has his own agenda. Boromir wanted the ring for Gondor, just like Richie had his own selfish desires. That makes our Fellowship Leroy, Laura, the Master, Johnny, Ty, and Richie. Theoden, well, that would have to be Leroy Green Sr., King of the Pizza Greens. Saruman the White? Well, that's show enough. He leads an army of orcs and ends up working for Eddie Arcadian only because his goal of defeating Leroy aligns with his own. Sauron? Well, that's going to have to be the big bad, the one who wants world domination, so that makes Eddie Arcadian our Sauron. He doesn't care who he has to eliminate to get what he wants. So what is the precious? What is the one ring? In The Last Dragon, the ring is represented by doubt, or more specifically, belief in oneself. Leroy has doubts about himself throughout the movie. And this is what holds him back from being the master and obtaining the glow. Show enough, although he appears to have no doubts about himself, must have some due to his, his obsessive need to prove himself against Leroy. It's through the flashbacks of his journey that Leroy is able to finally destroy his rings, which is his self-doubt, in the water barrel, which is basically his Mount Doom, and he finally becomes the master. And there you have it, my comparison between The Last Dragon and Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. What you got? Uh, all, all standard fare, pretty much. I thought that, uh, I, I, I thought that in general, uh, Saruman the White, yeah, that was a good pull, and and that yeah, he's that Eddie's going to be Sauron, Legolas, Johnny, Gimli, Ty. Yeah, I'll go B minus. B minus. Uh, that's kind of where I was at too. I thought that uh, you threw me for a loop with uh, Shonuf being Sauron. And not necessarily Sauron, but I can see the correlation because I guess if you really had to break it down, Eddie Arcadian is our big bad, right? Because he hires Shona. That's what Who works for who? Right, exactly. So I'm going to agree with the professor, my friend, and uh, yeah, B minus. I think I'm on a streak here. And that was John's. 
moment. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. John, are you ready to rate this flick? Show enough. Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. Anytime somebody says, hey, you want to watch The Last Dragon? Fuck yeah, I do. And a one fuck movie is a movie where you watched it and you're like, huh, all right. Sort of a one and done thing. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is, for shit's sake, what the hell was that? You know what? Somebody owes me. One hour and 48 minutes of my life back. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right, which one of you Last Dragons would like to go first? I'll go first. All right. But before I go, do you want to attempt to try to guess my rating for this one? Uh, I do, because I would be shocked if it was anything... I think your nostalgia for it alone already puts it in the three-fuck category. Uh, I do don't believe you will go to four because if you go to four, we might have, I don't know, questions about your sanity. Uh, I'm going to say you're going to give The Last Dragon 3.25 fucks. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Okay, let me cross this out real quick. Shocker. When The Last Dragon first came out, I was 13 years old. I talked about that kind of in the beginning of this podcast. And I remember seeing it and falling in love with this movie. It was the first time that I recall seeing the idea of martial arts being an art form instead of just being about fighting. And I really liked the idea of a character who was holding back and not just going out and kicking ass. It, it really made me feel that there was something more to it. And again, like I said earlier... It made me more interested in the idea of martial arts movies and turned me on to Bruce Lee, which led to Bloodsport, which led to Kickboxer, uh, which led to a bunch of different movies. So it was a big thing for me. I also was a big fan of 80s music. I still am. So it was instantly becoming one of my favorite soundtracks at the time. I also have grown since then to love the campiness and the cult classic factor of this movie. It's a salute to badassery that takes on hip-hop, martial arts, and just a fun journey. Bruce Leroy is an obvious tribute to the martial arts icon Bruce Lee. TMAC's own martial arts skills and choreography of the fight scenes was all very well done in my opinion. Shonuf is an amazing villain in this movie. His style and unforgettable dialogue has put him on my top list for iconic movie villains. His over-the-top portrayal is definitely one of the biggest highlights for me for this movie. Is Last Dragon the greatest martial arts movie ever made? Absolutely not. But it's fun and entertaining film that has earned its place as a cult classic. It has something for everyone from action, comedy, to music and romance. If you are a fan of the genre, you won't be disappointed in this movie. Yes, the movie is dated and a bit corny, but overall, it's a fun ride if you accept it for what it is and when it came out. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and enjoy the ride. The glow is waiting for you. And so for those reasons, I'm giving Last Dragon 3.25 fucks. Mic drop. 
3.25 fucks from the comic book guy. I'm you know impressed. what? I, I think I have the glow. All right, Professor, you want to go or you want me to go? No, I'll go. All right, buddy, take it away. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Watching it for the first time the other night, it was about what I expected it to be. It was going to be a fun, campy, lighthearted ride. And this fun, campy, lighthearted ride was uh, a fun vehicle that I thought was, you know, not too difficult to digest. The uh, character of Leroy was likable enough, and his martial arts skills, I thought, were adequate. I wish that the camera, uh, I've been spoiled because of the John Woo-ness of things where the camera backs up and you're able to see all of it rather than, than close-up shots and tighter shots of things. But uh, other than that, yeah, I totally bought what he was doing and, and I thought that he was fun to watch doing that. Laura, very pretty girl, and she was easy on the eyes throughout the movie. She has a pretty smile. And the two characters together I found to be very likable. Show enough, I thought that he was uh, very campy and I never took him serious. And the uh, Eddie character, I, I thought that he was ridiculous and he, I never took him serious for a minute either. I found the, the movie, for the most part, had fun music to it and it was an easy enough watch. Watching it to the end, I got exactly what I expected out of it. And it's something that I don't think that I'll be going back to watch anytime soon. I'm giving it two fucks. Two fucks from the professor. All right, I guess I'll go. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. I am with you, comic book guy. I saw this in 1985 on VHS at a slumber party, and it kind of changed my life, right? I have an appreciation for the soundtrack. I have appreciation for the story and the nostalgic feelings that uh, happen when I watch it. It takes me back to that uh, slumber party and takes me back to that time in my life. Does that make it a good movie? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. This movie, the the plot is logical. It can be completely campy, and it is very, very over the top. Uh, poor Time Act. That dude can't act to save his life. And going back and watching it now, I really notice it. But it's so lovable for me that I let it go. Uh, Vanity, same kind of thing. Not really a great actress, but you put all of this together and what I got was a fun uh, hip-hop martial arts movie that I will watch anytime it's on. I, I'm not afraid to admit it, but me watching it anytime it's on is because of the impact it had when I was younger. For me, I'm going to give The Last Dragon 3.25 fucks. With 3.25 fucks from the comic book guy, two fucks from the professor, and 3.25 fucks from yours truly, that gives Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon an average of 2.8 fucks, which ties it in the 24th spot with Tommy Boy and Solo, A Star Wars Story. It is slightly better than The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Scrooged and Atonement, and slightly worse than The Running Man, The Wolf of Wall Street, and The Untouchables. So yeah, there you have it. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we will be reviewing next, please check out the website. Speaking of which, hey, John, 
Where can they find us? Well, as always, they can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, or we go ahead and we post all of our show notes, the episode uh, files, as well as anything else we figure that we want to throw up on that site. We also have the ability on that website for people to go and submit suggestions for the next movies we review. And if you submit something, I actually might want to watch it. So... I might actually use that as one of my future choices. You can also find us at any place that hosts social media or hosts podcasts. All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank anyone else who does listen and who has suggested a movie. Uh, If you keep listening, we'll keep recording. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm Johnny. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening because I am... The master. Am I the meanest? Show enough. Where are you on that? You got to do it too. Did you not tell him? Did you not tell him? I told him, but he didn't believe me. Yeah, I didn't think we were doing that. Oh, we're doing that. Tonight's episode, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Thank you. Could you have waited until I was done with Dragon before you said thank you? Shonuff reveals his ability to use the force. Sorry. Shonuff reveals his ability to use the glow. His leg- Legolas. 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 Care about ratings, huh? Do you care about ratings? How do we do? How we do our ratings? We haven't said how we do our ratings. Do you care? We don't have to. Yeah, let's do that. We didn't do that. No. Oh, for fuck me! So, so we did the whole. How do you? Yeah, I, I, I've been sitting here. I know exactly what we've been doing, bud. Thank you. I'm helping you lead again. I, I thank you. I'm opening the I, door. Well, would you shut the fuck up so I can get the fucking door open? All right, what you got? Do you have a porn name? Uh, the last dragon, the last dragon, the last, the lust, the lust, the lust dragon. Um, that's stupid. I had the last strap on. The lust strap on? Or just the last strap on. Or the lust strap on. <laughs> it's, it's not horrible. It's not horrible. It's not great. It's not horrible. I'm thinking, come on, professor. What do you got? Uh, no, I don't have anything. <laughs> All right, fuck off. Good night.